what would you what would you tell a young Drew Brown with、uh, with the wisdom of hindsight? Trust your gut. That whole fear thing, like fear, like not being able to speak out on things. That fear thing has 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 stained a lot of areas, many areas of my life.、Mm-hmm. I think my gut has proven itself awesome. Like it's it, it's been good. I just don't listen to it. And so, not all. I mean, I there's been many times where I haven't listened to it because of fear,、um, or because of what people might think, or because. That doesn't seem like a wise choice, or like,、um, where if I did trust my gut, if I did follow through, if I did ask that girl out, if I did you know walk away from the record, like if I did try and do things on my own, if I did, I it would have been better, or if it wasn't better, at least I would have been happy with my decision. Wow, do you know what I'm saying? Wow, like if it sucks, that's okay. At least I did it the way that I thought was best.、Mm. I think if you can't do it awesomely, at least do it like that, where you can at least be like, you know what, I failed. That's okay because I did it my way. But I couldn't even do that. So, so I think,、um, I think, yeah, trust your gut, Drew Brown. Like just ignore the people and trust your gut.、Um, your your gut will lead you the right way. From Georgian Hood Media. This is the Talent Next Door, a show about singers, songwriters, producers, and the stories behind the music they create. Hi, I'm Ifit Mikeyfader, and on the show today is the award-winning Canadian singer-songwriter and producer Drew Brown. Drew Brown's story is one that's interwoven with faith, love, pain, hope, rights activism, and a lot more. The more I chatted with Drew, the more it became apparent where the theme I hear in his music comes from. Now I say thin because Drew's music is more than just great lyrics sung over beautiful chords. Drew Brown is an experience, and the feeling his sound evokes is quite hard to articulate. There is a sage quality to the man that can only come from the unique experience he has had. Drew and I talked about his childhood, his relationship with his mother, his entrance into the church, his discovery of music, his first record deal, losing and finding his faith. Drew and I also talked about the makings of digital love in analog times. His 2015 Juno-nominated album. We also talked about Black Lives Matter and a host of other things. Our conversation was rich and deep, and it was meaningful. And I can't wait for you all to listen. Drew,、uh, I want to welcome you to the show. This is the Talent Next Door, and we're very excited to have you here tonight.、Uh, so thank you very much, sir. Thank you for having me. This is—it's、uh, truly an honor. I know people say that, but it really is truly an honor to hang out with you and have a chat. Awesome. Same here.、Um, I always love to start. I—I'd like to, you know, always kind of curate how people get to where they—they they have gotten to. So, if you would be kind enough to just take us back to the beginning,、uh, as a five-year-old, if you can remember that far back, as a five-year-old, ten-year-old kid,、uh, what was growing up like, and where were the places you grew up? Hmm.、Um, my family, like my mother and and father, had a pretty、um, uh, tumultuous、uh, relationship, and so they wound up、uh, splitting when I was quite young. And so、uh, my mom and my aunt actually got a place together just outside of the Jane Finch corridor, and so we were hanging out there for most.、Uh, I think from maybe I was one or two, maybe two, until I was in grade three. Um. And so、uh, I remember being there, and、uh, music wasn't always playing,、mm-hmm. but、um, but they let me put music on as often as I wanted to. They I don't think they ever said no music. I mean, maybe it was bedtime, sure. <laughs> um, like if I was if they were getting dinner ready, I would put the music on and just let it go. And they were a very very strict、um, sort of Christian upbringing background family. And、mm-hmm. so you know, secular music was of the devil, you know. And so、mm. um, anything that was played on you know mainstream radio,、uh, any kind of rock or pop or R and B or blues was considered、um, sort of you know not very Christ-like to listen. I see. Yeah, yeah.、Um, and so it was a lot of gospel, a lot of、um, Christian music,、uh, which was great. You know, I love gospel. It was. I'm thankful that I was able to listen to that growing up.
Mm-hmm. Well, it's when I first discovered much music. That's when my mind was blown. Oh, I see. I had a cousin um, who back then actually used to work at much music. And so he was about 10 years older than I was. I think at the time he was, I don't know what he was doing like lugging cables around, you know, he was just, you know, yeah, yeah. Like the, the gopher kind of, kind of kid. And he, you know, climbed the ranks later on. But he would always say, yeah, man, check out this show. Check out this show. Much music, man. It's really cool. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. And it was like DJ spinning at the time. And, you know, it was, uh, it wasn't Master T, but it was, uh, there was another uh, black guy who was on there. Michael Williams, I think his name was. And he, he was always bringing in like local hip hop and local R and B. Um, but then, you know, I would watch like Van Halen videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, how do I do that? <laughs> like, that looks amazing. Uh-huh. But definitely um, like music videos and that kind of um, uh, televised music culture that was created between MTV and Much Music. Yes. Huge influence. Um, and, and gospel music, but yeah, that was a huge influence. And you know what? The library was actually a huge influence. Okay. Uh, I was a latchkey kid for, I think, when I was in grade two and grade three. Because, um, you know, everybody's hustling, right? So Yeah. Um, and I was a pretty chill kid, very responsible. I didn't want to bug my mom or piss her off. So I was very, <laughs> I was like, if she said jump, I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so I did not mess with mama, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I would ask, hey, can I go to the library and then meet you home for dinner? And she'd be like, yeah. I mean, it was, wasn't that far away. So I was like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, imagine this kid in grade three walking to the library and I would sit down at their record collection. You know, they can sit there and listen to records. And I found like the Woodstock LP. Um, And I remember between like three days, I listened to like every single song, I think twice. Wow. Um, And I loved like Jimi Hendrix. I was like, whatever this is, whatever, (laughs) whatever's happening right now. You have to have a piece of that. (laughs) Yes. Um, And there was another guy named Richie Havens. And I mean, everybody's coming out with these big bands, you know, and doing their thing. And he comes out with an acoustic guitar. He sits down and just Hmm. just delivers this powerful, powerful, like rootsy gospel song. And I was kind of like, okay, if there's a, like, can I do a mixture of like Hendrix and this guy, Richie Havens, mm-hmm. like, a little bit of rock, a little bit of folk. There's a little bit of like spacey trippy things happening. There is this communal, almost sacred act of, I, I want that. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize that that was a dream. I just thought that'd be kind of cool. Maybe one day. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how ingrained that moment, how much that moment was ingrained into me. And actually sort of helped shape my story. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, whoa, that's, that's some story. Uh, Cause it's so grounded and uh, it's grounded, I think in music. And of course, when you mentioned Woodstock, that's just iconic for a lot of people and uh, yeah. like a, a reference point for, uh, uh, you know, a lot of artists. Um, so I've been doing a little bit of digging and yeah. research on you. So, um, um, I understand you moved a lot um, when you were much younger. Yeah. Um, do you want to do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, that yeah, you yeah. lived a little bit in Belleville and Trenton, and uh, um, and uh, so um, you just want to tell us about your mom and and moving around and what that uh, how that shaped your experience of the world and what uh, what you saw while, while you were were moving. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. So my mom, you know, like she was hustling, you know, working all the hours and she was um sort of climbing the ladder of um sort of um, hospital administration um she found a sort of a a really cool path where she was moving away from nursing and trying to sort of climb the ladder into administration roles Mm -hmm. um and which she was definitely qualified to do um unfortunately um that meant that she had to sort of move around ontario quite a bit yeah and so in grade three, um, she got a gig out in Trenton at the hospital there. And so we moved and we were there for about three years. Um, and then we moved to Midland, Ontario, which is sort of like the southern part of Georgian Bay. Okay. So just a little bit past Barrie. And so we lived there for, I think, another three years. And then um, I, 
uh, my mom and I had a very interesting, tumultuous is the word, I, you already used it once, but it's definitely the word. We had a pretty tumultuous re relationship when I was young. I was um, sort of becoming more independent. And as I said before, mom was very, you know, do what I say. Mm -hmm. so a, I mean, that's a normal teenage thing, but for us, it was almost like a volcanic eruption in the house. And so mm -hmm. um, uh, one way out that I can find is that wasn't emancipation was um, <laughs> seeing if I get into a private college, a private school, private high school of some kind, okay, you know, like a boarding school. And so I started applying and, and she was, she agreed to it. And so she's like, you know, it's a good idea. And, you know, uh, not that she wanted space for me, but she also thought that actually that's actually good for you as a, as a black man in this world. And you get to, we were living in a, you know, a very white town. And so um, like, I think there was only one other black family there. And so she's like, actually, <laughs> even though your intentions are this, that's actually a good idea. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And so I got in to a few and I picked one that was uh, in Belleville because it was close to Trenton. And so I had some friends from when I was there sort of, you know, in that space. And so I was there, there for about three years. This is a three year thing happening here. Okay. Um, and then moved back home for a little bit. Um, our relationship was getting a lot better. And, uh, but my grades were dropping in the school. And if I didn't keep a, like an A minus average. You got kicked out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and the reason why I started dropping was because I discovered music, like mm -hmm. not just listening to music but actually like playing and I wanted to do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I focus more on that than my studies. Yeah. Um, it's paid off, I guess. I, I, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> um, but then moved back to Midland just for my final year of school. And, and that was good to be with mom and hang out there. And then from there I moved to Ottawa and I was in Ottawa for a long time. I can't hmm. remember. That's interesting. I, I just, so like I said, I, I, I try in my head to map out, I think geography and, uh, uh, you know, connections, relationships and the people we meet as we, as we proceed through life, they kind of shape, you know, unintentionally or intentionally uh, who we become. And so that's why, you know, I ask, I ask this questions. Um, you know, just from listening to you, I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read, I, I'm going to circle back to, to, to the rock side of your music and, and love writing and all of that. But you're very big on faith, aren't you? Yeah, faith. I mean, my dad was a pastor. And so that had something to do with it, maybe. My mom is... Oh, really? My mom is a pretty strong Christian woman. Like, she is the stereotypical... I shouldn't say that sounds mean. But no, she is. She really is the... Have you ever seen like a, the stereotypical black woman in church on TV? That's my mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. You know, like, yes, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally her. Um, and then, uh, and then for a season, I actually went to pastoral work. I actually worked in a church for almost 10 years. Um, really? And was this just because you were obligated to do it because of your upbringing or you actually, you actually dug it at the time you loved it? That's a, that's a good question. Um, a part of it was um, when I started going back to church, I, this, this would have been like midway through university or something, I guess. I, I, I hated it. Um, I hated church. And one of the big reasons was the music sucked. It was horrible. And so... Um, that's, I, that's, that's terribly honest. <laughs> it was... Like I remember, I remember leaving church, um, leaving, not leaving one because I stopped going just because I moved away and whatever. But I remember leaving church on the grade eight and coming back when I was, you know, like whatever, maybe 20 or whatever it was and going, nothing has changed. Mm -hmm. It's the same garbage. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the heart's in the right place, you know, yeah. and, and, but I'm like, we can do more than this. And so I was like, I wonder if I can play a role in, um, church music, sacred music changing a bit. I wonder if I can be a part of that. Um, what I didn't know is that over in the UK, it's already been happening. There are oh, like amazing acts and bands who are coming out who are doing their thing that was so good that they would actually open up for like um, the mainstream bands. Like, so imagine like a church band opening up for, the, you know, like they were doing really well out. In yeah, the yeah, yeah. But here in North America, there was, we had, you know, nothing. I see. So, um, uh, and so I started doing that. I started sort of helping churches sort of get better musically. Well, uh, just, 
just a quick cut. Did you did yeah. you get pushed back on that? Because I know that you know, in terms of trying to shift that paradigm, I remember how much controversy there was some uh, that, that was around somebody like Kirk Franklin. So, um, mm. did you get pushed back when you when you stepped in trying to do all of those uh, great things? Oh my goodness, yes, it was. Yeah, completely. And um, they, some of the pastors or even the the music directors at the time, some of them are kind of like we need this like we like i remember playing uh man i was showing them not just rock stuff but even like there was a gospel band called commissioned it was like fred hammond and uh three other guys yeah 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 playing like listen to the harmony listen to what they're doing listen mm-hmm. to okay so like this is actually something we can do or emulate or borrow or steal like yeah kirk franklin what he was doing like there's really cool things happening i think we can you know, sort of borrow a few of these ideas. And yeah, the pushback was, was strong and mighty. Um, but what really helped was at every church, um, they noticed that, oh, wait a minute, there's young people showing up now. Yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, uh, yes, yes, go ahead. <laughs> so we're like, oh, oh, okay, oh, okay, so, okay. And then some of those UK bands started getting really big out here in North America. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, okay. Because the guitar player, uh, like I was, especially in my rock days, I was huge into like YouTube, huge. And so like lots of delay and reverb. And I love that kind of vibe and very yeah. ambient and atmospheric. And for me, it was very soothing to my soul. Like even their protest songs, for some reason, just brought out the sense of like, I can just rest in this moment. Yeah, and for sure. For me, that, that felt like worship music to me in a, in a way, in a, in a very strange way. And so that was my style. I was either doing like R and B gospel chops or I was doing like these kind of like U2 inspired riffs or, or a blend of the two. And so when these bands started coming over to North America, I was like, Oop, you, you see? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been trying to, that's what I'm trying to tell you guys. Totally. So um, that helped a lot and many churches kind of got the, the hints and the point. And so I moved from doing kind of volunteer role music stuff to actually being a worship or music pastor mm-hmm. um, in which I would sort of care for my team and for the church using the arts, which is kind of my, my thing. Um, and then I would move into like different pastoral roles, uh, community pastor or whatever. But yeah, um, it was something I just thought that I just thought that maybe the church can be, do better at because the church and historically the church is always on the front line of the coolest and newest thing. Mm-hmm. We're always doing like uh, fresh art all the time. I see. And then for some reason, come to like the 1900s, not so much. So uh, not that I was doing anything fresh, but I just want to sort of freshen up things a little bit. I'm going to come back to the church because I think, um, and I've told you this before that, you know, I, I just it almost feels like an experience listening to your, to your sound and to your music and what you create. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to circle back there, but I want you to just, just take me through that journey of when you eventually decided to say, okay, um, you know, I'm going to be a recording artist and I'm going to give this all it needs and I'm going to go for it. Mm. If there was a moment, if there was a moment, it was, it was, know, there was, it, it was something that I never really thought I would actually do. Like I was in some bands and we toured for a bit and now I was making music and recording it. And you know, I was at home, um, you know, selling CDs at the back of my car, like every other artist does when they're starting off. But I always figured, Oh yeah, it's going to be my side gig because music in Canada. Eh. Um, and so I never really took it that seriously until I started writing songs more intentionally mm-hmm. and as i was sharing these songs with with friends or with acquaintances in the industry all of them begin sort of lean in and be like what wait what, what are you what are you doing with, these, with this music are you making an album I'm like oh yeah probably yeah, you probably should <laughs> you probably should do something and so uh, but again like there's in terms of 
uh, Christian music or whatever. There's no real infrastructure here in Canada, so it's not like you can just Wait, walk. Were you were you ever tempted to move to the states to to do this? Yes, I was many, many, many times, many times. Uh, you're serious? Because I just spoke to. I'm sorry to come in here. I just spoke to uh, another brilliant uh, artist out of Toronto, uh, a female artist actually, and she's uh, she is she is moving to the states. I mean, honestly, that's where the gigs are. There's there's way more opportunities in America for musicians in which they can, you know, make money. Um, and that is extremely hard here in Canada. Extremely, mm-hmm. extremely hard. Like I have friends who are in some pretty big touring bands who are struggling. I'm not talking about COVID. I mean, just in general. They're struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 but, but even when I was making these songs, I don't know. Like I was, like, I was like, I don't know. Like, what's going to happen with these songs? All right, you know. And so I had a job, and, um, you know, I think I was uh, married for a year at this point in time and decided to sort of take um, three or four of the songs and put it on a CD and did the same thing, kind of just sold it out of my back of my car and whatever. And all of a sudden, radio stations started picking it up. I was like, oh, okay. And then college stations started picking it up. I'm like, whoop. And just, just, just like that? Or did you have to do some groundwork? Um, no, just, I mean, with one station I did, and then okay. I think because um, there's a station up in Bear, you started playing my songs, and and I think because they played it, other stations started playing it. Mm-hmm. The college stuff, I just was doing some university shows, you know, yeah. acoustic shows, and kids would just buy my, well, they weren't kids, they were the same age as me, um, they would buy, you know, my CD, and for some reason, it filtered through to the right people. Okay, and, and, and just put uh, put a time period in this, this was around what? This would have been around 2003 or four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So a million years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, I was like, Oh, that's, you know, that's cool. That's, that's cool that people are liking this and it's getting played. That's great. Um, and then one day I got a call from um, this, this, um, he's like a, a Christian artist and he was doing a tour in Canada and he mm-hmm. wanted me to play guitar for him. Um, but the only way I can do it is if I quit my job and if I quit my job, if, uh, it's one of those things where if you quit, then you got to start back at the bottom in terms of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for priority or, I yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, I talked to everybody. I was like talking to my mom, my wife. And, and, and what, what job was this at the time? Oh, I was working at the school board. Uh, they hired, um, a bunch of people to kind of be the in-between, um, sort of um, guard between like staff, like principal, vice principal, and the police. Okay. Okay. Because um, the the police coming on campus wasn't working. And okay. So they wanted kind of like a, okay. So what's our next step? And so they hired people who um, a could handle themselves with a bunch of crazy kids, mm-hmm. um, but also who can just kind of get in their lives a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, who actually had um, some emotional bandwidth to not be a peer, but definitely create that safe space if they need it. Okay. It was a great experiment. I don't know whether it's still going on, but it was. You thought it worked at the time. Right? Oh my goodness. Like some of those kids are still like, like they still contact me. Wow. If anything big happens in their life, they like, Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown. Oh man, you don't believe it. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a really good, um, really good uh, experiment. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I did, I was working there and I had to make the choice between whether we're going to go on tour for, for this or just sort of stick and stay and be an adult. <laughs> and, um, and I talked to my wife at the time and, and we're like, yeah, you know, let's just do this. And maybe this could, this could be the start of you focusing on music. Let's see. Yeah. Um, and it was a good choice. Um, I got signed to like a Canadian record label um, about a year after that. Wow. Um, and then was touring the country um, up until 2009, I think, or 10. And uh, how was that experience like? Was it was it all that you had hoped it would be? Um, the music part, yes. The business part, no. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, without going into too much, too many details. Um, yeah. Working with a record label wasn't necessarily the best option for me. 
it definitely afforded me a few really cool things and there's a great community there. Um, I made some friends there that I'm still friends with. Um, I learned a lot for sure, both positive and negative learnings. Mm-hmm. Um, but my gut was saying, dude, you can do this on your own. Just do it on your own. And I should have, I would have saved a lot of money. If you had started on that path a lot earlier. Yeah. And, and on my own. Yeah. 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 Instead of signing on, on with the label. It's interesting though. Like it's, it's almost that kind of thing in life where you, you know, just because of the template that has been set, um, it feels like that's the next logical step for an artist. And then totally people yeah. get it and then you say, okay, no, it's not all I you know, thought it was going to be. Because the way, um, the way how most labels, not all labels, but most labels are set up is that everything, they will pay for everything up front, which is like, thank you very much. Um, uh, and so if you wind up spending 20 grand on your record and then, you know, another 10 grand on merch and then, you know, you're, maybe you're paying for like radio support. Maybe you're also now you're 30 grand in the hole. Okay. Now let's put, go out and play some gigs. Every dime you make goes up. back to, yeah, so you have to pay that off. And then when that's paid off, then you're still like splitting the money. Maybe it's 50, 50, maybe it's whatever. I don't know. Depending mm-hmm. on what we do. Um, and so when you begin, unless you have a huge hit, yeah, you're just living in poverty. Not really. Okay, I'm exaggerating, but it's 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 hard financially. It's really really hard. So um, if I if I could do it over again, I would still sign with that label, but I would have recorded the album on my own dime, and then only use them for like touring support, which is really all I needed, um, and booking like you know booking shows and stuff. Yeah, Um, because I would have made the album for like a quarter of the price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Um, I, I don't know if you know Ryan Leslie. Um, uh, yeah, RLS. Um, no, he's been making this argument for the longest time, and you know, around what two thousand because he put out an album and uh, it did really well, and. I think he switched over to doing rap. But anyways, the point here is that he has uh, been making this argument for the longest time about, you know, about he has this model of actually targeting your core audience, he calls them. You know, you have Mm. a thousand people, 10,000 people who you're able to um, directly communicate with. And if those 10,000 people buy your, you know, CDs and you don't have to split those, uh, uh, that revenue, you, you will get paid. You, know, right. you, you you will make a living off of That's it, right. you know, and you don't need to have, uh, you know, a Grammy award. You don't need to have all the distribution. You just need to have your core audience that you are, you know, just feeding nonstop. That's you know? exactly. He's been making an argument for a long time. So I hear you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do they call it? Uh, the, the 1,000 or the 10,000 true fans. Mm-hmm. If you have those true fans, then you'll, you'll be fine. Forever. Yeah. 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 And if you just joined us, we're still talking to the award-winning Canadian singer-songwriter and producer, Drew Brown. Um, I want to just uh, tr- backtrack a little bit uh, and, and talk about your um, your Juno-nominated album, Analog yeah. Love in Digital Times. Um, yeah. Uh, 2015. Um, how, how, how did that all start and were you... Were you expecting such a such a reception of that uh, body of work you put together? No. <laughs> so it came as a surprise to you. It did, and I, hmm. When I was when I was with the label, I was definitely moving into. Um, let me let me let me take that back. Um, Christian music, uh, some. Like most music, like most genres, it's all about the persona, right? And so, um, uh, the more of a super Christian that you are, um, the more validity you have to your brand as a Christian artist. Right? Mm-hmm. So, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, don't. Okay, so I, I do all three of those things, <laughs> right? And I don't smoke, but um, um, and I'm not. For me, there's a part of me that's kind of like, I want to be real and honest. 
I don't yeah. want to fake it. I'm not saying go get drunk every night. I'm not doing that. You know, I, I, I'm, that's not my vibe. Maybe some, some people's vibe. That's not my vibe. You know, I'm, I'm not cussing every second word, but sometimes if I drop a brick in my toe, I might lay down some, <laughs> some bombs if you know what I'm saying. You know I mean? And so for me, the, these aren't like religious, um, like, you know, uh, wires I can't cross. It's just, um, it's a part of my story for my life. And like anything I have in my life, I treat it very seriously and carefully. Right. Um, and so that album for me was kind of like, Oh man, like I was really speaking about things in my life that I didn't, um, was concerned about talking about, not that I was saying anything like scandalous or anything like that. Um, and so, yeah, I did not, it was way more introspective um, and much more of journal entries and it was less Christian. I didn't, uh, uh, what, every song didn't end with that Jesus bow saying, and don't worry, he'll all be okay because Jesus. Mm. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> sometimes it, 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 it ended with things suck and they'll suck tomorrow. Deal yeah. with it. Yeah. You know, because yeah. for me, that feels real. Uh-huh. That, that's just that's that's the life i was living it's like everything sucks that's okay it'll suck more tomorrow <laughs> like mm-hmm. enjoy today <laughs> yeah 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 and I that's okay you. that's not it's not like a depressing thing it's not like even like an eeyore like oh winnie. it's just that's just that's life good days will come don't worry but yeah. you'll get bad days too and so um yeah like uh when i put that album out and it's a bunch of love songs too which doesn't usually happen in the christian world at all yeah, like romantic songs and even songs that are about um you know love that's not working especially when you're in a marriage and so i'm like like that's something that you normally wouldn't sing about in a christian album like oh, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um and and so it was interesting how that album really connected with people and the response I got was like, this feels so real and authentic and raw. And um, this is my story. This was my story. This, like people really um, grabbed a hold of that, um, which is cool. I just didn't think people would. Actually, I thought it'd be the op- the, the opposite. I thought, yeah. like, oh, this, this, like, you didn't re- make any reference to Jesus like once, dude. Are, uh-huh. you, still, are you still Christian? yeah so um yeah it was a fun album to do um and it was great to walk that juno carpet and enjoy the night it was great yeah i can i can only imagine that must have been thrilling for you yeah 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 it really was it was good okay um so i i want to talk about uh all of the other things that you do. So you produce yeah. and uh, hymns for the architect. Um, like, how do you find time? First of all, I just want to tell me what that expression is and how you started that other um, whole thing with, uh, with producing music under that other, uh, I wouldn't say it's a moniker, but just under that name. Um, but why did you feel the need to, to have, that other side uh, expressing uh, probably a different, slightly different kind of music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been working on, you know, uh, some new music for a while and um, some of it, it just didn't feel right to put out or I wasn't ready or I did, the songs just weren't ready or, um, uh, and there's a lot of stuff like happening in my personal life, just mental health stuff and, just a lot of ups and, you know, the ups and downs of life, but sometimes the, the downs were a lot deeper and, and longer, you know? And so just, I wanted to write music to kind of be soothing to my own soul. Mm-hmm. And so I started leaning heavily more into like ambient electronic expressions, which I've done so, some of that. There's definitely some hints of that in my earlier work, but um, I, I wanted to be completely instrumental. Um, and so I just walk around my neighborhood um, sometimes in the mornings or late at night and just um, try and sing some melodies and every once in a while you bump into someone and you start talking, you know, like it's, it's weird to sort of find people out at midnight. And so when you do, either you kind of go like, uh, uh, and, and you <laughs> try and stay away. Yeah. 
or you wind up striking conversations kind of like, what are you doing jogging at midnight? Uh-huh. And so, you know, you, you, you know, it's like a couple, some conversations and you hear some stories and, and you find like those, this is, I don't know, I'm sure you've experienced it before where when you hear someone else's story and it totally intersects with yours mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh my gosh, I totally get you, man. Yeah. Um, and so stuff like that would happen on the regular. I was like, okay, so, um, in order to get out of my own head, what would be a soothing song for their story? What would be the feel and the vibe that they would need to hear or that I think they would, they would help them anyway. But, and so I'd start sort of singing out these melodies and plucking them on a piano and guitar and I would sort of jot them down. And then one day I realized, Oh my gosh, I have like 20 songs. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should do something with this stuff. Yeah, and in a span of like um, three weeks, I think I recorded everything. But I will say this: um, when I first started him to the architect, it was completely different. Okay, um, I was I went through a season where I totally lost my faith. I didn't know whether I believed in anything anymore. Um, and and can can I just ask well, why or what got you there? There's a bunch of things, and the list goes on. Like there's a bunch of things that kind of just like put me into the state of doubt and questioning. And at some point, I came to an, uh, this this almost like this inception moment, you know, where it was planted in my head. Like I don't know if I believe in in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that something created something you know and mm-hmm. i i i i think that there was something out there um and so that scared me a lot um, yeah. and scared my family and scared my friends and scared the church that i was serving at the time and which i had to leave and scared a lot of people in my circles yeah because you you, you had uh you, like you had such an identity that you were that, that had started to conflict with who you were in the present, right? And all the yeah. things that you were thinking about. That's kind of scary. Yeah, it was, it was frightening. It was, I was, I was terrified. Um, and I didn't know what to do with this. And at the, t- at the time, there wasn't a whole lot of resources that I can, you know, use or look to or read or listen to. Or There is now, it's tons now, but mm-hmm. at the time there wasn't a whole lot. Um, and so I started as a form of therapy, I started writing worship songs and <laughs> songs for the church, but from the viewpoint of someone who is deep into doubt. So yeah. it, it's songs that are questioning God, not questioning God as in like, who do you think you are? Not like that, but definitely like much like David did in the Psalms, kind of like, are you even there, man? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And if you are, do something, brah. Yeah, for sure. Like, 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 change something. Move. Like, yeah. Like, you, you, you got the skills, got the power. Yeah. Why don't you do something? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just based around that, and based around, um, yeah, how would someone who lost their faith but still wants to be connected to the practices, what can I use? What, like, what can I have? How can I? Um, what kind of resources, songs or, or poetry or whatever can I read or sing that will help me maybe rediscover my faith? And so mm-hmm. I started writing stuff around that and, and it was um, based all around the church calendar. So like Easter, Christmas. Okay. Um, I think I have, a, I have another one coming out for um, like smaller, like non-church <laughs> like thanksgiving or whatever <laughs> um, <laughs> um but then i was like i'm sick of my own voice and i have a lot of weight on me i want to find a new expression and so that's where the instrumental album uh, solace from solitude came from just you know walking around the neighborhood hearing people's stories that remember reminded me of my story and mm-hmm. trying to write songs that'll help soothe my soul and maybe would help soothe theirs yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, I just couldn't like uh, the day after you came on the open mic. I I listened to that, uh, and I just it was such an experience of listening to it with a headphone, and it just it was so powerful 
to listen to. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, that's the impression I got from it. It was really, really powerful. Mm. Um, Thank you. Wh- where are you at right now? Um, where do you do you um, where are you at? I still have a lot of doubt. Um, my faith definitely isn't where it was. It's definitely different. It's shifted for sure. Um, and if I could just pause, would you call that doubt a, a more like curiosity? Ah, good question. Good question. Oh my gosh. Hmm. I, I like that, man. I like that a lot. I tend to phrase this kind of conversations in a, in a different way. I, I don't necessarily think it's doubt. I think it's just a deep desire and 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 hunger to 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 have answers to questions because sometimes it does suck Mm -hmm. and it all comes apart and you are there you know you know left for broke with just your hands out in the open and the rain's falling against your face and you're in the storm and you can't you know you don't know what the next move is going to be so i think being uh you know being curious and saying hey you know this is all that i've been told about you why aren't you you know doing what you're you you know you're designed to do yeah i I think curiosity is that's amazing i think i I like that word a lot i might steal that from you (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a great way of redefining that you know it's um you know people throw around the words uh like faith deconstruction a lot and um because uh, you're sort of ripping apart your faith and sort of, you know, figuring out what you want to keep or what you don't believe in or um, what you need to be more curious about. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think swapping out doubts for curious curiosity is definitely, that's, yeah, I, I like that a lot. <laughs> okay. Tell us a bit about your discography at this point. Um, um, uh and what you're working on currently and, and what we should be expecting from you either as Drew Brown or, um, as HFTA. Yeah, baby. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm hoping to release a Drew Brown EP at some point this year. We will see. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of a creative dry spell right now. And so, um, which is fine. It happens, but like nothing is really, coming out and so i'm just I'm making notes i'm still trying to do the daily work just because you never know what might happen mm-hmm. but uh but yeah so that's been interesting so hopefully uh an ep at some point in time here in 2020 and then a couple of hymns for the architect songs will be released uh probably in the fall i think they're almost done in terms of recording and mixing okay um and then a full project in january of 2021 um, <clears throat> which will be like, well, it'd be an EP. Um, and I think what I'm, tr- what I'm trying to do is do an EP a month, um, whether it's three songs or four songs or five or, but try and do something really, really simple, really okay. bare bones and just, um, and, and mostly to be honest, it's mostly to force me to put music out because if I say that I need to put out an album, or a project every month. Yeah. I, now I have to, <laughs> right? Or else I look, yeah. I look like an idiot. <laughs> so it's mostly to kind of get my butt in gear. Um, sure. Which, which at this point, whatever works, I'll, I'll take. Um, but in terms of my, my previous discography, um, my first album came out in, uh, I think it was 2006 or seven. It was called uh, From a Whisper to a Roar, and that was my first, um, yeah, my first album, full, my first full-length album, and that was on a, on a label release, and, and that was good. I, I brought my, my buddies in to play on it, and uh, it was a fun experience. It was, I have stories upon stories of how <laughs> everything went wrong through the whole entire <laughs> session. Like, it was so bad. I was crying most nights. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it was a, for me, it was a very fresh sounding record and it's done me well for the last few years. People are really still engaging with it. Okay. And then after that it was, yeah, 2005. 
<laughs> no, 2000. I can't remember. Analog Love and Digital Times came out in 2015. 2015. I don't know why I said 2005. That's great. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's um. Uh, and the reason why there was a gap, such a big gap, is yeah, it's close to ten years or even yeah, more. Yeah, um, they, they call me the, the the Christian Peter Gabriel because he does like an album every ten years. <laughs> um, I really leaned heavily into church world, and so um, I would still do gigs, but like making music just wasn't uh, a priority at the time. Mm-hmm. But then I realized not making it a priority was actually killing me. Oh, I see. I didn't realize how in, how important it actually is for my soul. Um, so that was that kind of started the process for the new album. Um, okay. Yeah. So just those two records, and hopefully, um, oh no, um, sorry, that's a lie. And then Hymns the Architect has three albums in total. There's an EP called The Wilderness, and that's based around um, the the Christian calendar um, season of Lent and Easter. Okay. Um, and then I did one, another full length album called X and that's um, around Christmas and Advent. Okay. And that was really cool. And that won a couple of awards. What I liked about it is I brought in people of like, like diverse voices. So there's a couple of my queer friends are on it. Um, um, people of color, uh, pastors, people who lost their faith people of a different faith yeah. um, and it just, I just had them like re or had them write um, prayers. Um, like what, what do you really need right now in this season? What kind of hope do you need? What kind of, you know, if you don't believe in God, but if there was a God, mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you ask of him or her? And so that really sparked tons of great conversations. And then they wrote these pieces and now it's set music to it. And then in between um, those pieces, I would do um, Christmas songs or um, get some instrumentals as well. Oh, I see. No, that's that's fantastic. And so um, two questions here. What would be, is there like a favorite favorite record you've made um, to you that was just, it just embodied all you wanted to capture in a song? Favorite? Yeah. I think probably... I think it might be um, Solace and Solitude. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I I think Analog Love and Digital Times is probably the album that represents me the most. If, if you want to get to know me, listen to that album, and you'll probably, it, it'll be, yeah, it's, that's my story in songs. But, but even me, and you might have heard this before from artists where after a while they can't listen to their own music. <laughs> Happens all the time. <laughs> but with with um with solace, I can. And huh. it still works. Like I, I can still put it on and be like, I don't sit there and get totally focused on all the details. Oh, I missed this part. Oh, I could mix that better. Oh no, uh-huh. like, I can just listen to it as as like a as a, a listener. Yeah. Just let the vibe and the emotions and just let it all wash over me and sort of sit in that space. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I think because of that, because I, um, I can create some distance to it and not sort of overthink it when I listen, yeah. I think that must be, that's a good sign, I think, maybe. Was there any pressure on the kind or the sound of music you created? Um, was there any pressure to say, hey, man, what, like, what are you doing sounding rock and and indie type rock type you know this isn't black enough yeah yeah totally i got pressure on both sides um i got pressure on kind of like dude <laughs> what are you you're a black man um and i got pressure from you know from sort of uh the white leaders in my um uh sort of space to kind of make sure i was stayed close to the sound because even what i did wasn't really the standard CCM, which is um, CCM stands for contemporary Christian music. Okay. And there's definitely a tight box in which what fits in that box mm-hmm. and radio will only a like Christian radio will only promote that. Um, most tours were only focused in music in that genre. Yeah. And so I had to sort of lean towards that and I wasn't making music in that box. Mm-hmm. It was still sort of out 
there in like indie whatever world <laughs> and so i got i got angry people on both sides and for me um uh the reason why is and and actually you'll see um my the next ep if i ever finish it it's definitely a lot more urban um um this it's a lot more urban and soulful but it's, but it's still like acoustic guitar and piano just with a lot of beats and urban influences okay um but the reason why I did that is because I wish there was more people of my shade of brown um, playing with guitars and rocking out. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was just, I mean, yes, there's t- like Living Color, amazing rock band, um, Bad Brains, um, Hendrix. Um, was that? Um, it's like Gary, oh shoot, what's his name? Gary Cole. I can't remember his name now. Um He's won the Grammy for like, best rock song last year. Um, there's tons of great black artists playing guitar. Yeah, but, even Lenny Kravitz, like his uh, his. That's right. <laughs> right. I want more. I just want more. I want more of that. I want more of that. Um, I want more of like acoustic and electric guitar stuff. I want more. I want more rock sounds, but but people who look like me. And so I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Um, and again, like going back to um you know the woodstock thing the two those two artists that blew my mind was like hendrix yeah. you know i mean and uh and uh on richie ha- richie havens yeah you know, and they were both black guys playing guitar absolutely and it wasn't like, soulful it was like yeah you know it was like <laughs> in your face and so i was like yeah i want, I want more I want more of that no, but you could just see how heavily influenced uh, they were on you and how that genre of music, which I think it just speaks volume of, uh, I don't know, um, of who you are. And um, even when you say for a long time, you, uh, you know, you kept your opinions to yourself. I think just making music that would not necessarily align with how people view uh, you know, who you were meant to be as a black man and the black culture. I think that in itself is a lot of opinion packed into, into yeah. music and using that as an expression. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're totally right. So even when you kept, uh, you know, being vocal on some issues, you were actually speaking the loudest with your music and saying, this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. You're exactly right. Completely. What would you What would you tell a young Drew Brown with uh, with the wisdom of hindsight? Mm-hmm. Trust your gut. That whole fear thing, like fear, like not being able to speak out on things. Whatever. That fear thing has 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 stained a lot of areas, many areas of my life. Mm-hmm. I think my gut has proven itself awesome like it's it's been good i just don't listen to it and so not all i mean i there's been many times where i haven't listened to it because of fear um or because of what people might think or because that doesn't seem like a wise choice or like um where if i did trust my god if i did fall through if i did ask that girl out if i did you know walk away from the record like if i did try and do things on my own if i did it would have been better or if it wasn't better, at least I would have been happy with my decision. Wow. Do you know what I'm saying? Wow. Like if it sucks, that's okay. But at least I did it the way that I thought was best. Mm. I think if you can't do it awesomely, at least do it like that where you can at least be like, you know what? I failed. That's okay. So I did it my way, but I could even do that. So, so I think, um, I think, yeah, trust your gut, Drew Brown. Like just ignore the people and trust your gut. Um, your your gut will lead you the right way. Oh my, that's uh, that's very well articulated, Drew. Mm. And it resonates. Uh, it resonates. <sighs> okay, uh, looking forward. What what uh, what are we? You know, besides the music you've told me and all the all about the music projects you're working on, but uh, where where we're headed with this? Are you gonna keep recording music? Uh, is there anywhere else uh, to go with all of this? And uh, just what are your what are your plans uh, going forward? 
Yeah, I've been I've been thinking a lot. I went through a pretty big uh, like I I moved into a, a a new new place and there's a lot of newness happening. Tons of newness happening right now in the season that I'm in, which is wonderful. I love change. I think it's it's fun and it's exciting. And so I've been like, okay, so what do I want to do differently? Um, or what kind of new things do I want to dive into? Um, and even with everything that's been happening with Black Lives Matter, and I feel that I, I, there's more of my voice that I want to use apart from just music or social media posts. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in processing uh, making more art um, based around anti-racism and, and, and diversity and the equity, um, making resources for the church, um, prayers or songs um, that are based around these ideas. Yeah. Um, and just really going heavy into um, just engaging people online um, because, you know, pandemic. Um, just engaging people online with these these ideas and these movements. And, um, and I actually took most of July off of social media. I haven't really been on. Um, I haven't really been using it. I think I posted like maybe four things all month. When I say posted, I mean like on my stories. I think I only made like one post on my actual feed. Yeah, that stuff could get tiring at some point. This is the thing. Oh my God, man, I'm just... <laughs> And I'm like, okay, so I just want, I think I want to create something that will hopefully inspire people. I just don't want to like duplicate what's happening on the news or like, you know, you know, uh, repost what's happening on the news or I want, I want to be like, okay, so how can we make people move towards um, change, move towards equality, move towards um, thinking of all these things in a different way, in a more healthy way. Um, how can we move people into doing the work of anti-racism on their own? Um, and I don't think I have a book in me, but I would love to do like micro blogs or poetry or songs or prayers or something like that to kind of help people um, kind of move towards that. Yeah. I think faith bleeds into social justice for you. Um, yes. Which comes first? Does faith feed um, your need to uh, to 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 have social justice be uh, be what's the word now? Not necessarily enforced, but to have that equity um, across board. Uh, uh, again, this is a direct uh, reference to to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, um, I have seen uh, in the last little while you being very vocal. My, my faith definitely informs my 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 yearning for justice for sure um that's yeah that's a huge huge part i i I believe that as christians uh, so that's sort of my faith background um that that um serving the needs of the people around us especially when it comes to um disenfranchised uh, those on the fringes um the poor and the needy, you know, the widows and the orphans. You know, I think that is something that we are called to do. Um, and in this case, when you see injustice happening, when you see injustices happening and no one's doing anything about it, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just feel you need to. And the thing is, is like, this is nothing new. Like we've been seeing this for decades upon decades, but even for me, it's kind of like, well, what are you going to do? That's the way the world works. Mm-hmm. And I think, thankfully, we've come to a place where, um, okay, well, that's enough. Um, we're done with this. The way the world works isn't working anymore. We're done. Actually, it's never really worked. Well, I mean, it's worked for some people, but just <laughs> yeah. for people of color in any way, shape, or form. And so um, I, I am uh, trying to find ways in which I can make connections within my spiritual community, which is extremely hard because for years, if I wanted to talk about like anti-racism within the church, I'd get laughed at or, or kicked, not kicked out, but definitely like shown the door. We don't have that kind of problem here. We are a multicultural church. We see everybody as equal. But this um, is uh, from white leadership, I suppose. This Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. And I'm like, uh, mm, do you though? 
really. Um, and not even like a, for me, it's not even a judgment call of saying that everybody's racist. I'm not even saying that, but, but imagine the good it would do if we actually had some of these conversations, if we actually began yeah. doing this work. Um, Cause I think that would open up the eyes of the leadership, but also the people, you know, who knows who's sitting in those pews, you know, on, on you know, Sunday after Sunday. Uh, I think MLK said that the, what the, that Sunday hour is the most segregated hour in, in America. In America. Yeah. And so I think like, even though, yeah, we're sitting side by side, sure. In, in our hearts and our souls, I think that still rings true in a very deep and dark way. So how do, for me, it's like, okay, so how can I best influence in a positive way? How can I bring about change? How can I inspire people to do more or at least to listen more or to read more? How can I, um, invite um, people of faith into having these kinds of discussions, mm-hmm. these open-handed and open-hearted discussions about um, how we treat each other, how we treat our neighbors, how we love our neighbors. I think um, that is a huge thing. That's always been a huge part of me, but now it's now I'm just a little bit more angry. Mm-hmm. What progress has been made of of, of having this conversation? You, where are we at? I think um, in a national. Um, sort of broader view, broader stance. I think we're at a place now where um, uh, people are talking about it. It's in people's minds a lot more. They seem willing, for them, generally speaking, to have those conversations, even in, on a political level. Um, I think we are seeing how this nation has poorly treated our First Nations siblings, and now we feel the weight of that and the desire to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, we sense and we know that, yeah, maybe there is a better way to do policing in this nation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, those conversations are wonderful and great. Um, my issue is that uh, it's very easy for uh, nothing to actually happen. Like, it's great to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. It's great to talk about it. I love it. I love that people are engaging in this content, but it's very, very easy for it to just kind of stop there, especially on that high level. Just moving forward, and, and I know this question here is is hard to articulate, but what does it look like? What does uh, what does equity look like to you? Oh, my gosh. For me, I think, man, that's that's a broad question too. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, as best as you can. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. What we want is to create um, spaces where everybody can be seen as a complete equal. That is the, the lamest answer I can think of. Um, so no matter your... No, um, no matter your gender or your sexual orientation or um, uh, yeah, no gender, sexual orientation, race, um, cultural background, religious background, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> um, that we can actually not make any assumptions or um, we can fo- we can just focus on people's individuals and not sort of paint them with a brush or not assume things of them because of who they are, you know. I think you've, uh, you've articulated uh, very, very, uh, very beautifully, uh, you know, um, where we need to, where we need to be headed. Um, I know there are no easy answers to this, uh, you know, it's going to take a, a long long drawn out conversation to even remotely scratch the surface but uh, i just wanted oh, to get yeah. your take because mm-hmm. i i know that you're very active and you're very vocal about uh, social issues and especially what has happened in the last little while so it's it's very great to get your thoughts on all of this um just let us know where we can find your stuff and all the places we can go consume your music and everything that you're working on yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. My handle is at Drew Brown Music. 
um, on yeah on the three major platforms. Um, and then uh, you can find uh, and it, my stuff's on Spotify and iTunes and all the rest. And then Hymns for the Architect um, on Instagram, it's Hymns for the Architect. On uh, also on Facebook, but on on Twitter, it's Architect Hymns because you know, it's too long of a name. So <laughs> Architect <laughs> Hymns on uh, on Twitter. Awesome. Yeah. Wow, it's uh, it's been a fascinating conversation for me. I have learned a lot. Um, I think with a uh, with a person of your caliber and just your story and all of that, you know, these conversations they never end. To be honest, it's a <laughs> it's one long continuum. You know, you're just gonna you know keep talking and talking and wherever we pick this up from the next uh next time we get together or maybe we do something like this or something on video um it, there will always be something to talk about but i truly want to thank you for your time today um again i have to reiterate the fact that um you are an amazing artist um um part reason um is just like i said earlier you know, being able to stick to the kind of music that you create, I think speaks a lot of volume. I've learned a lot about your faith today and how that's interwoven to the things that you do um, in the social justice circle and also you as a person. So, um, Drew, it's fascinating talking to you every single time we, we get to do this. And I am looking forward to the next phase of your life, I am going to take a front row seat uh, and, and, and watch all the things, amazing things that you do in the future. So thank you so much, sir. Thank you. It's always good talking to you. And again, I really appreciate what you do for the musical community here in the GTA. It's You're doing a great, great work. So thank you for that. And thanks for yeah having me on the show. This is great. Awesome. Okay. Have yourself a good one. Uh, we'll keep talking, sir. Take care. Bye-bye. And that's our show today. We are working hard to bring you brand new shows. If you loved today's episode, kindly share with a friend, or better yet, search for us, The Talent Next Door, on all major streaming platforms. Like and then subscribe. It will help us be seen and heard by a lot more people. Until our next show, it's bye for now.